Welcome, everybody, to episode 119 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. Today, we'll discuss the point of the century between Ma Long and Fang Bo. We'll have a few reports from Ping Skillers who are training hard and seeing results. Plus, being Technique Tuesday, we'll take a look at the forehand smash. And in the questions, we'll discuss watching the ball, one step footwork, and why some players say, Joel! <laughs> I'm Jeff Plum, and with me, as always, is Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. And uh, yeah, just hello. Can you hear me? Uh, no, you just cut out completely. But now you're back. I think. All right. I, what What I said was, Jeff, can you keep it down because it's way past my bedtime. <laughs> it is way past your bedtime, and I think the I think the the video is struggling too. It wants to go to sleep as well. It's like I can't handle yeah. it either. Come on, <laughs> get, come good on us. Yeah, come good on us, indeed. So, um, what about that point in the in the fifth game? I believe Fang Bo versus Ma Long. It was eleven all. And they're calling it the rally of the century. What do you think about that rally, Alois? Uh, it was definitely good. We discussed it yesterday, how good that point really was. Uh, from this point I've seen, it was just absolutely dynamic, loop-a-loop-type balls, and the ball just going so fast. It probably is the best point I've seen. So, yeah, I mean, it's getting a, it's getting a bit of airtime out there, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. And I think given the context of the match as well, you know, 11 all, the time it happened, the final of the World Championships, you know, that all adds to it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with it. Point of the century. I agree. And you know what? There was a point, I, I can't remember the, the stage of the match, but it was probably about five or six points earlier that was just fantastic. And I thought, wow, that is sensational. And then the 11 all point comes along. And you're just like, whoa, my, my mind's blowing. Indeed, indeed. No, it was fantastic. Um, one interesting thing, Alois, about the number 119, which is the show number here, is it is the sum of five consecutive primes, 17, 19, 23, 29, and 31. So there you go. <laughs> what? <laughs> the sum of what? Five consecutive prime numbers. Starting from 17, if you add up 17 plus 19 plus 23 plus 29 plus 31, you get 119. Guys, this is what I've got to deal with. Like, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, let's move on to uh, yesterday's Pig Skillers question of the day, Alloys, which was, who is your favourite player on the world circuit at the moment? Yeah. Tough one for me. Um, like before Sunday, I don't know. Like after Sunday, Ma Long. Um, I mean, he's world champion, right? I mean, he's just fantastic. But um, Fang Bo impressed me too. Like Fang Bo was good, really good, and young. So I don't know. It's a toss up. I, I, I love them all. They're just they're just fantastic table tennis players. What yeah, about you, Jeff? You got one, you got one that yeah, I'm going to go with Marlong. I'm going to go with Marlong. Yeah, he's, you know, 
he's young still, youngish. I don't know. Well, he's not that young anymore compared with some other table tennis players and fans and Dong and stuff. But he's, you know, he seems charismatic. He seems to enjoy himself. And what a victory at the World Championships. Number one in the world. Yeah, got to go with Ma Long. All right. Good done. Good. All right. Um, so the Pink Skills question of the day is, what do you think about the new rule that from after the 2016 Olympics and Paralympics, you will be able to coach between points? So this is a new rule that's going to come in play, as we said, after the 2000 Olympics. Let us know if you think it's good, bad, indifferent. Do that by jumping onto our uh, website, pingskills.com, clicking on the blog link, and you'll find this show. Leave a comment. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Now, Alloys, we've had a few interesting reports from Ping Skillers. Um, first up from Lucas, he says, the big tournament last weekend, which I lasted for two days, went pretty good. I placed third, fifth, and ninth in three different classes. On the tournament I just played a couple of hours ago, I placed, drum roll, first. Oh, so, you know, big congratulations to Lucas. He's been training hard and good to see some results coming through. And in other news from Ping Skillers, um, Pascal eh, has said, I wanted to tell you that I won third place in Liberia. I won four matches and lost one to a very good table tennis player. Also, they found me so good that they're going to get me a private coach to train me professionally. Fantastic news, Pascale. So, uh, well done there, Alois. That's great news, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Pascale um, is sort of, you know, just really developed a lot in the last few months. We uh, we saw he sent us through a video of him playing a few months ago and, and his forehand was developing. But, yeah, he's he must have really come on. And, and um, to get an opportunity to get some coaching now as well, um, yeah, good on you, Pasquale. And, uh, really, really good to see, and we'll be following your progress closely. And um, well done to Lucas as well. So um, that's really exciting to come first. And Lucas said that he won a butterfly tracksuit for uh, for one of the events that he won. So he won, I think he won a trophy, and he also in one of the other events he won a butterfly tracksuit. So that's yeah, it's a good prize. It is a good prize. I, I love winning free clothes. Uh, you know, I love anything free personally, but <laughs> that is good. Well done, Lucas. All right, let's move on. Um, because it's Technique Tuesday, Alois, we want to talk about the forehand smash. What can we, um, what should we know about the forehand smash? All right. So the first thing, is, we, we've been discussing this a little bit because, um, I think a lot of ping skillers get their terminology mixed up between a smash and a topspin. So um, a smash is where you hit the ball very flat. It's a really flat contact and the ball's travelling really fast. Anything that has a bit of topspin on it that looks like that, and even though if it's really fast, is still a topspin. It's just a fast topspin. So we often um, hear ping skillers sort of, email us and send us questions about um, players that are doing these smashes from really low and all that sort of stuff. I mean, a lot of the time, I think uh, we're talking about topspin. So let's just clarify that. Then- yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Alois. And if we look at that point of the century, and if you haven't seen it, you better watch it. 
you know, a lot of those shots they're making are just huge forehand top spins with the balls just got so much top spin and dipping and and that's why they're able to hit it so hard. Yes, and, and so those guys are very, very, very rarely making a smash. 99% of the time they're playing top spin, uh, top spin shots. They very rarely flatten it out. The only time they would flatten it out is if the ball goes up um, high above shoulder height. They've got plenty of time. They're close to the table. Then they flatten it out and smash it away. Um, okay. So, and so that's the shot we're going to be talking about today, when the ball's up a bit higher and you flatten it out and hit it with power and not a lot of spin. Yes. And, and the technique or a c- couple of the really important things about your technique. The first one is you've got to get your bat up quite high to start off with. So if you start too low, you're going to end up brushing the ball. So you want to get the bat up quite high. Also get it back and prepared. Um, the, so we'll just talk about the arm action first. So the contact comes through and as we talked about, it's a very flat contact and a follow through. So high start, flat contact and follow through. And only really done when the ball goes up above shoulder or head high um, is, is the smash. The other thing that I think is really critical with the smash and uh, the, the, the main thing that I see players having problems with is not getting themselves into position to make the smash. So I often see that like that ball go up, the lob goes up and the players are almost mesmerised and they're watching the ball and they forget to move and the ball is almost on top of them by the time they uh, think about making their stroke. It really critical, as soon as you see that ball go up in the air, with a lob, that you get yourself back. So step back away from the table, turn yourself a little bit side on, and then you've got the ability to come forward with some power and smash that ball. Um, If you stand there close to the table and square to the table, it's really difficult to make the smash. You will end up dragging that back down and the the ball will um, drag into the net. So really utilise that time that the ball's up in the air, get nice and side on, bat up high, and then come through and smash it. So we cover that in our lesson on the forehand smash. Um, take, a, take a good look at it, and um, we'll cover those points and even more. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, it's a really good shot to learn because, you know, if you do all that work and force your opponent back and get a high ball, you really want to capitalise So learn the smash, take a look at the video and, uh, you know, practice it. Yeah, nothing, nothing more frustrating than having that ball up really high and then making and missing that shot. So yeah, it's, it's a good one to practice. All right. Thanks for that, Alois. All right, let's move on to some questions. Um, we've got some from Brock who has jumped on with the, and used the Google Q and a app to ask some questions live on the show. So thanks again, Brock. We always love uh, people to ask questions live on the show. Now, Brock says, how many hours a day uh, do you think the Chinese practice and, you know, and then over a week, how many hours? Yeah, so I, um, I'd say between 30 and 40 hours um, in a week. So that's quite a lot of time. Um, and that's on-table uh, work. So then apart from that, they would also, you know, have to do their recovery. They'd do... Uh, their strength and conditioning as well. So, yeah, it's 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 a full-time job for them. Indeed. And then um, Brock has also said, what is the difference between a loop 
and a forehand topspin, or is it the same? Yeah. So um, a loop is just a, a variation of the topspin. So a loop is usually referred to off a backspin ball when you spin the ball up a little bit higher with with more topspin. So that's usually what we refer to as the loop. But in effect, it's just a slow, slower topspin um, off the backspin ball. So, yep, just different terminology. Yeah, and here, I mean, again, I guess different people have different views and, you know, sometimes um, we call it a topspin to topspin rally. Sometimes we call it a loop-to-loop rally. So I guess they are pretty interchangeable, you know. You know, Some people might think one's a bit slower or a bit other, but I don't think you can go too wrong if you use loop or topspin interchangeably. Yeah, that's right. And that reminds us, we're supposed to be getting onto the terminology um, little uh, download. We'll get onto that, Jeff. Yes, that's a good good thought. That will be helpful for people. All right. Next up is a question from Abhinav. And Abhinav says, in the match between Timo Boll and Fanzen Dong at the Worlds, the commentators said that Timo takes the ball early, which is the reason for his higher success rate against the Chinese. What does it mean to take the ball early and are there risks? Yeah, so taking the ball early um, refers to... Um, taking the ball a little bit closer to the bounce on the table. So when the ball comes up off the table, yeah, Timo is trying to take that ball a little bit earlier. Um, so what it does is it cuts down your opponent's time to be able to react because um, you're hitting the ball um, closer off the bounce, giving them less time. So um, it is a bit riskier because the ball's still travelling quite fast when you hit it. Um, you also have less time, obviously, to make the stroke. So if you let the ball come back here, um, you've got a bit more time to make your make your stroke. Um, whereas if you're taking the ball off the bounce, um, you, you're giving yourself a little bit less time too. So so that's the risk involved. Um, can be really effective, but it's something that you need to build up to. Um, it's not something that you go out there on day one Oh, yeah, we just lost you for a second, Alois. But um, I think we got the point. You need to work up to, to that um, with practice. Get your basics right first. And then if you like, you can start to try and uh, take the ball a bit earlier. Yeah, got it. Good. So um, thanks for the question, Abhinav. And it's good to see you watching the world and watching these top players and, and picking up on what the commentators are saying. It's a good way to learn. So, you know, keep doing that. I'm sure there'll be more tournaments on ITTV that we can watch coming up as well. All right. Next up is a question from Utkash. And Utkash says, when I execute any topspin stroke, most of the time, the reason of the failure is that the ball hits the edge of the racket. It happens very frequently and leads to irritation. Please help me with this. Is it necessary to contact the ball in the middle? Okay. So, um, Woodcash, if so, what what Woodcash is talking about is the ball hits the edge of the racket there um, when he when he plays the stroke. A couple of reasons. Sometimes it happens if you close the angle too much so if i'm hitting towards you there if that's what the ball is seeing then it's very difficult to make uh, a good contact on the rubber and, and often um, the ball will hit the edge so it doesn't take much variation 
for the ball to hit the edge rather than hitting on the rubber. So if that's the situation, just open your racket up a bit more. Open it up. So now look at what the what the ball's seeing. You've got about six times more chance of hitting the ball because you've got six times the area compared to this. So that's the that's the um, adjustment that you can make to try to get um, a little bit more consistency with your contact. The other thing that does happen sometimes is if you're a little bit late on your stroke, then uh, you get the, the edge balls. So if you find that that, that the, um, the, the ball's flying way up into the sky, up, up high, then that usually means that you're hitting that ball a little bit late um, and getting the edge that way. If the ball's sort of zipping, zipping out um, past the table, then you probably have your racket too closed, so you can open that up a little bit more um, and try that. So, um, yeah, so so give give that a go and see if that helps uh, to get a few less edge balls. All right, yeah, and yeah, keep going with it, Udkash, because the top spin, you know, it's a really important stroke for table tennis. So yeah, um, watch our forehand top spin video again. Think about the angle of your bat and um, just keep practicing and. I guess the other thing, Alois, is, you know, just really learn to watch the ball really closely because um, that, that will help as well. And, um, yeah, so Utkash also talked about, you know, is it necessary to, to contact the ball in the middle? Not necessarily, no. So as you start to advance your topspin, um, you can start to get the contact a little bit closer to the front edge. So... Um, you'll find you'll get a little bit better contact and a little bit more spin um, if you contact the ball there. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be in the middle, but certainly to start off with, start by contacting the ball in the middle. Good advice. Okay, next up, a question from Romeo. And Romeo says, is there a specific way of doing the one-step technique with footwork instead of skipping around? And, like, where the weight of your body should be while one-stepping. Yeah. So so the one-step footwork that Romeo is talking about is, um, so you, you're in, in position. So rather than doing the, the jumping or skipping across, you're basically just taking one step out there. So, so if I was here, so I'd just take one step to reach the ball or out here take one step to reach the ball. So only only one of my feet's moving, so not both feet. So um, that's, where, uh, that's where you're really caught short of time and you haven't got time to move both feet into position. That's when you do that one-step footwork. We see it a lot more um, in the women's game um, because they're closer to the table and the ball's travelling fast. So you'll see, um, you'll see the women tend to... Uh, do that um, one-step footwork a little bit more than the men. But ideally, you want to be moving both your feet, jumping into position with both your feet so that you've got good balance and can play a, a full stroke. So when, when you've only stepped with one foot, then your balance isn't quite there. So you're basically only on um, one leg to make, that, to make that stroke. So, yeah, it's very limited um, time that you would use the one-step footwork but um, it is sometimes something that you can do. Okay, yeah. So more for when you're defensively blocking perhaps and you're really rushed for time, 
But if you want to make a full attack, get in a good position and then you can use your whole body to make that, you know, powerful shot. Got it. All right, excellent. Uh, next up, Pedro has asked a question, Alos. He says, why do some ping pong players say, Joe? <laughs> good, good question. So, um, yeah, so Pedro sort of hears it as Joe, J-O, Joel. Um, often uh, we hear it as C-H-O, Chol. Um, it's just a, 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 a exhilaration of um, yelling uh, that, uh, you know, that you're pretty happy about winning the point. Yeah. And it's it's a little bit, um, it, it's undecided exactly where that's come from. You know, like um, I know when I was young, um, it was more... Um, so like soul which which i which say comes comes more from the um uh japanese um for fight or to you know to yeah to fight so who knows you know like but it's just perpetuated itself really and now table tennis players just copy the best table tennis players and that's what they say so um that's what you hear a lot you hear the chow at the end of every point Yep, you certainly do. And uh, Ma Long was uh, certainly getting into the action with his own enthusiastic celebrations um, as he closed in on the title. Um, yeah, so I think uh, more people will be emulating that after his big victory. Yeah, well, in that, in that yeah. fifth game, really, he really let the chose go, didn't he? He was really, um, really yelling from really early on in the fifth game. Yeah, it certainly was. All right, well... Make sure, everyone, you visit pingskills.com. Sign up for our free newsletter if you haven't. And if you have, well, you're going to get lots of good information on improving your table tennis. And if you want to take your table tennis a step further, try out our premium membership. We've got great videos on serving, receiving. We have a 52-week training plan, and that's proved really popular um, where we every four weeks we break up the training into areas like consistency and serving and receiving and that way you can really focus on certain aspects of your game and it really helps you to improve to have that structured training. So yeah, if you're thinking about it, head to pingskills.com and check out the Ping Skills Premium Membership. All right, well, thanks everybody for watching the show and thank you, Alois, for your words of wisdom answering all those questions. Thanks, Jeff. And, um, yeah, Pink Silvers, we'll see you tomorrow around the same time. Indeed. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.